Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. To each of you, my dearly beloved, youthful brothers and sisters, I want to bless you for your questions. I want to bless you in Jesus' name for your questions and your interest and your desire for evangelism. Now, someone up here suggested that, you know, I'm an unnatural, I'm an evangelist or something like that. But I want to tell you something. I grew up in an old order Mennonite setting where evangelism was considered not necessary. In fact, it was frowned upon. So I grew up in the same way that the... Do you call them old comforts, GB? Yeah, which your roots go back to. I grew up the same way. But when the Lord Jesus Christ got a hold of my life, I couldn't shut up anymore. That's, <laughs> hallelujah. Somebody said, praise the Lord, amen. And I started, many said, uh, as I surrendered my life to many said, he'll get over it. Just give him a little time, he'll get over it. Well, I want to tell you something I haven't gotten over it yet. And if I do, you better come and tap me on the shoulder and say, what happened to you, Raymond? Because when you surrender your life and he fills you with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, there's an overflowing abundance of life in you. It wants to come out. And you need to let it come out in Jesus' name. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, sure you do. Many of you do, and I bless you for that. Uh, so, thank you for allowing me to encourage you in that. It didn't come naturally. It was an, an anointing of the Spirit. And I don't, I'm not saying I'm anointed. I'm just saying I couldn't shut up. And you know that. I still can't. I'm always fighting with the clock. <laughs> I need a little discipline. But anyhow, thank you. God bless you. I really enjoy, this is the best part of the day in my mind, to spend time with you. And today's subject really enthralls me. It really does. Yes. You know what it is today? I think it's something that you're going to be very interested in. The big yes in. That's what it says. Yes, we've been talking about some of these big yeses and that we don't miss it and say no when God is calling. You see, yesterday when, uh, I'm not sure why I didn't do this, but I, when I came to David, when the prophet Samuel was coming to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king, the Lord had spoken to Samuel saying, I have provided me a king from the family of Jesse. You see, God was speaking that over David's life. And if you are surrendered, fully yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ, he is speaking something similar, similarly over your life. I have provided for me a work that he has done, a calling that he has put there. A godly youth after my heart. I have provided for me a godly evangelist. I have provided for me a godly prophet. I have provided for me a 
humble servant maid, a handmaid for me. Maybe just to walk in your home with your family, sisters. As this an anointing for him. David was anointed in that context. Same way for you. I provided me a godly man of the word that's going to preach the word. I have provided for me a godly evangelist. On and on, I, I provided for me a godly husband that's going to sanctify his wife through the washing of the water of the word, going to lead his family in devotions. I have provided for me. You got me? God is speaking something... Something like that over every one of your lives. Absolutely. Every one of your lives. And you don't know exactly what it is. Just as David didn't know. David didn't know for quite a few years, likewise. That's why I said probably when he went to the altar and surrendered all was probably when he was 10, 12, 13 years of age. You remember all that? Sure you do. Sure you do. Don't forget that. And... God is speaking something over your life, a work for you to do for him, for his honor and for his glory. And this fits into an evangelist. You begin with what you know to do. What does God have for you in the future, young people? You walk in the spirit, in him today. And you do all of his will that you know right now. And in that faithfulness to God, you get that? What God has for you tomorrow is found in you being faithful in walking in the spirit with God today. That's a very, you know, we tend to look past all that and think we want to look up there. Ah, oh, I want to be that. Uh, certainly not like me. Uh, I'm old. You don't want to go there that fast. But you you start by being faithful with God, with in the doing all of his will that he has revealed to you through the word of God, through your teachers, through your mentors, through your, your ministers. You walk in that, and in that faithfulness, God will reveal what the next step is. You get it? I get so many people coming to me and say, how do I know what God has for me? Well, I just told you. You walk faithfully in obedience to what he has for you today. Through the spirit, walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. We heard a lot about that. Are you with me? Sure you are. Well, we need to get into this subject. I could just keep going on that. The bigger yes in marriage. Let me make a few points on this subject. I am assuming you are fully surrendered. You are in full accountability to your father and your mother, brothers and sisters, and you are in full accountability to the, the brotherhood in your church, your ministers, your elders. I'm assuming all that, okay? And I'm also assuming even greater than that, you're born again. I heard that many times. And you love the Lord and you have a heart to follow his will. I'm assuming many things here and that you want to do God's will and you have surrendered all. Many assumptions in getting started here. But we'll touch on them again as we go through it. Another thing I want you to know, I do lots of youth conferences 
globally, lots of places, by request. We never go anywhere, Naomi and I, through MTM, unless it is by request. And the most requested subject in my teaching with MTM is right there, godly marriage and family. And that is our family, but we'll let that go. And uh, I started teaching, you know, like with husbands loving their wives, wives being reverent and in subjection to their husbands and all those kinds of things, godly child training. And then some pastors came to me. I don't know if it was India, Nepal, Vietnam. I don't know where it was. Myanmar. I teach this a lot in Myanmar. And they said, Pastor, what about a godly coming together? If the, if the godly family is going to be established properly, as you're teaching, it starts before they're married. I said, you're right. Please teach us what does the word say in God's way of a young man and a young lady coming together. I thought, duh, why didn't I have that in my series of teaching? So this was prepared in the context of other countries. So you're going to see some stuff in here that uh, you may not be acquainted with. I'm giving you a heads up. Just look past it. You may be, maybe some languages in here you don't know. Okay, I just taught this back. Uh, where did I just recently teach this, huh? Up at Hamacho at a Bible college. There's a Bible college I teach this regularly at. I'm like one of the instructors there. What a privilege and an opportunity. It's in North India, way North India. Okay, anyhow. So much for all the disclaimers. Yeah, that's our family. You know what, young people? There was a time my sweetheart, Naomi, and I, <laughs> my beloved queen, on our wedding day, that was taken on our wedding day. I was 21, she was 20. I'm so sorry what happened between that and what we look like today. <laughs> but it was a learning experience. I wished I would have had what you're going to hear today. I know we had no teaching, no training on a godly coming together, whatever you want to call it. But by the grace of God, he, we did not have the purest courtship, but we did not commit immorality. And I thank God for that. And I give God all the honor and the glory. His protection and his direction was already there. And my father never asked me any questions about it. Mother, Naomi's mother used to say when I was coming to have a date, and mother would say to Naomi, now behave yourself. She tried to figure out what all that meant. She knew what it meant. <laughs> but that's all. My dad never said a thing. Let's go on. Godly coming together for marriage. That's our youngest daughter. All of our, we have three that are married. I married all of them. What a privilege, what an honor. Shepherding the unmarried youth for marriage. You could call the title of the message that. Shepherding the unmarried. It is written in the context of pastors asking. Now, what do you get out of that slide? 
Well, it's quite simple. Love marriage or arranged marriage? This is the question that young people are asking me in India and every country we go to. Vietnam, uh, Nepal, Myanmar, Egypt, everywhere. You see, in those cultures, arranged marriage has been the tradition and the custom. But what's happening is the, uh, and we're going to learn some things from your uh, contemporary youth in other countries. You're going to learn some things that have some of the same questions in coming together in marriage as youth. Yeah, but what's happening in, this is India. This picture, I think, is India. Yeah, that's all India. What's happening is love marriage is strongly coming in. Leaders, pastors, fathers are trying to stop it. Love marriage is what we would know, what we would call, what do you call it? Courtship? Dating? Yeah, whatever you want to call it. That's in them. I can't use courtship and dating. That won't work. They don't have no idea what I'm talking about. They call it love marriage, coming together in those that choose it through love their companions. And they start coming together. Okay, let's go further. There are many voices on this subject. Now, in, in our culture here, in your, there are no voices uh, I don't think there's any other voices, but in their culture, there is. There's the voice of culture, the voice of tradition, the voice of change, the voice of religion. Uh, every, like these religions would be Buddhism, Hinduism, and Islam. Uh, and uh, then there's also the voice of Hollywood and the voice of Bollywood. What's Bollywood? You don't know. Well, you're not. India's Hollywood. You got it. Thank you. Yes. Many voices out there. When I show this slide, they all get it in those countries. And we just need to be reminded. And the voice from the Korean movies. The Korean movies is like Hollywood and Bollywood. There's Korean movies all over Asia and other parts of the world as well. Anyhow, so there's many voices. But what we're going to look at is the voice of God's word. Amen. Amen. Let's look at it. Yes. Now, I'm just going to put this up. I'm not even going to make any comments. This is basically for the, uh, the and that, looking at the advantages or differences between love marriage. Uh, what language is this? I don't even know. It's probably Hindi or Nepali. That's what that is. Okay. We'll just let that go. But let me make one comment here. And I'll probably elude on this some more right here. Love marriage. You know what the young people are telling me in India and the, these countries? Impossible to keep yourself pure in a, a courtship or a date, dating. They say it's impossible. Very interesting. Impossible. That's what they say. We need to hear that. We need to hear that. I'm not saying I agree. I'm just sharing with you what they say. This is what they're after. That might surprise you. That's, that might surprise you. Okay, you could say a young man and a young woman 
a young lady preparing to come together for marriage God's way. There's our beautiful youngest daughter again with her husband, Zachary. And again, y'all, I married them. There we are, just a few pictures. And this prep was prepared for another country, so that's why they're in there. I want them to see our modesty and our simplicity, our example of godly marriages. A young man and young lady preparing to come together for marriage God's way. All right, now let's start. Let's go with, you could say this is point number one. I'm going to have about five or six main points. Try and catch them. I'll try and, do, uh, I'll try and uh, reference them and make sure you get them because they're all in a flowing numbers. But number six is the first main point other than the title. Okay, let's go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. We need to remember in Genesis chapter 2 that uh, marriage belongs to God. Marriage does not come from the world. Secularism, heathenism. Marriage belongs to God. In the beginning, God ordained marriage. One male and one female for life. Let's look at it. God said it's not good for man to be alone. It's always been interesting to me, dearly beloved young people. And here in Genesis, he, God finishes the end of chapter 1. And God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Everything God is well pleased with his creation, which includes Adam. And uh, he looks over. It is all very good. But all of a sudden, what happens in verse 18 of chapter 2? And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should. It's progressive revelation. I know uh, that man should be alone. I will make him and help me. So it's God. Marriage is God's idea. And, but Adam, Adam is not in control. Adam hasn't even thought about it, has he? Adam is totally fulfilled in his walk with God. Adam isn't looking for a, a wife, young men. Adam is totally all-sufficient. His life is fulfilled. He is all-sufficiently fulfilled, fulfilled in his God, the Lord Jesus Christ, for you. The Lord Jesus Christ, for you too. Not searching for a man. Not trying to draw the eyes of a man, a male. First mentioned principle right here. And here it is. Adam is complete in his God. Adam was complete his God in need of nothing. This is a main point. If we're not fulfilled and all sufficient in our God, in our love for him, in our completeness in him, brothers and sisters, Neither will you be after marriage. Neither will you be after marriage because that void in your heart can only be filled with God and His 
abundant grace and love for you. Adam was complete in his God. God had to awaken Adam to the fact that he was alone. How did God do that? Now, let's remember, this is all before sin. I know things are different today, but it's all before sin. How did God awaken Adam? Well, you'll find that in uh, chapter 2, verse uh, 18, after he said and the, that he's going to make, make God, said he's going to make Adam a helpmeet, and out of the God ground the Lord, I'm read verse 19, now follow me, formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called them, every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. What? <clears throat> Adam, God says he's going to make a helpmeet for him. And then God passes all the animals in front of Adam. And he looks at the animals and he gives them names. And then the Bible says, there was not an helpmeet found for Adam among the animals. Was God looking for a helpmeet amongst the animals? No. Praise God. Well, what was he doing? Here's what God was doing. Adam was so all-sufficiently fulfilled, and all he knew is his beautiful, delightful relationship with his God. That's all he knew. That God had to awaken him. I don't know when it happened, but here comes the cow. And he says, cow. I don't know if it was a Holstein or a Guernsey. And then right beside it comes another bigger one. Bigger one. He, big, bigger and more strong. And he said, hmm, bull. Oh, okay. And they moved on. After a bit, there comes a Chicken. A chicken. And, well, beside the chicken, there's another big guy. What's that? I will call him a rooster. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> I don't know when it happened. Moose. Oh, moose. Oh, uh, cow. Uh, moose. There's that big guy again. Bull. I don't know if that's what you call a moose. Somewhere along the line, Adam awakened to the fact, huh, there's two of them, and there's only one of me. Got it? And Adam was awakened to the need, to the fact that he was alone. He was alone. But my point is this, young people. This is a point for you today. Adam was all sufficiently fulfilled in his God. He was searching for nothing. He had found it, his God. That's a, that's a creation principle for marriage. Don't forget it. Very important. Very important. Let's go on. Married, let's go to the second. Here's another main point. So the, the first one there was God had to awaken Adam to his need of a helpmeet. Romans, Paul speaks about this. Romans 7, 4. Let's get that real quickly. 
always say that real quickly, don't I? Romans 7, verse 4. Here Paul is speaking about uh, marriage, the law, and how that a man is free from the law when he's in Christ Jesus. But he says this in verse 4. Let me drop in at verse 3. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no longer no adulteress, though she be married to another. Now, here's the verse that I want, verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye are also... Let me start over. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Marriage, married to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all surrender to him before married. Marriage before marriage. Very important point. Let's look at it. Christ must be preeminent. And now here's something I need to tell you. This is prepared basically for leaders to shepherd their youth. Now, I'm not talking to your leaders, but that's how it is prepared because they ask for it. So they use this to shepherd their youth in two young men and young ladies coming together in preparation for marriage. Christ must be preeminent in the heart, must be first place, supreme. Like Adam, that comes first. We heard a lot about that already. I think Brother Vince spoke about that. The preeminent Christ, he's first place. Everything in my life begins with Christ. Just like the first three words in the Bible, in four, in the beginning, God. Every choice, every decision, every choice and decision I make begins with God. Everything. Married to Christ. He comes first. I seek him first. I heard that in evangelism. I pray to the Holy Spirit to guide me. Help me, Lord. Christ is in first place. Preeminent. Has the love of Christ constrained this youth? Arrested him. And he surrendered to Jesus Christ. He is my all in all. It flows out of the tongue. Out of the abundance of the mouth speaks. I love the Lord. Lord, I want to follow you. Lord, I bless you. See, is Jesus Christ the bright and morning star as well as the lily of the valley when things go difficult, things are not easy, but Jesus Christ is still Lord and I love him. Likewise, is Jesus the altogether lovely one to this youth? Pastors are using this to shepherd their youth to see if they are ready for marriage in India and Nepal and many countries. See, is that youth fully sold out? Or do there seem to be reservations? Is that youth's countenance clear? Does he have the joy of the Lord? Challenging, young people. Challenging. Does the joy of the Lord radiate from the countenance? Or is there a downcast? I think you talked about the countenance, didn't you? Mm -hmm. 
It's amazing what you can see up here, dearly beloved young people, when you stand up here. It's amazing what you can see. I'm stopping. An all-consuming love for Jesus Christ through the difficult things of life and the joyful things of life. And all Christ always gets the honor and the glory. Forsaken all to follow him. Being more be is sanctification coming forth. More and more becoming Christ-like in a surrendered, yielded life. 1 Corinthians 7, 39. And so that, all that verse says is that in marriage, it must be only in the Lord. This question I get asked a lot in these other countries. Is it okay for me to marry a, a Buddhist girl? Is it okay for me to marry a Hindu girl? They have these questions, dearly beloved. We know that only in the Lord. We know, amen? Don't need to spend no time there. But that's what 7, 1 Corinthians 7, 39 says. Let's move on. Genuine, what I'm really saying is genuine Christian character and maturity must be developing and coming forth. Serving the Lord in a, a wholehearted commitment. That's what I'm saying. No questionable things going on in that youth's life. No, all questionable things have been dealt with. And heaven is open and clear over that life. Challenging questions. Talking about what needs to be the character that is prevalent in thinking about marriage. Here's another main point. What number is this now? I know it says 10 up here, but those of you that are numbering and keeping, what number is it? Main point. Four, thank you. I'm going to ask you that again because I, I should have went through this and just got the main points. And uh, by the way, I'll probably give you an opportunity for questions and maybe for you to add some input at the end. And I may ask for those main points. Yes, sister. Thank you for that. If I'm going too fast, please slow me down. Which one? That one? Okay. Genuine Christian character. I'm just going to call you Barbara. I know that's your name. That's your name. <laughs> She knows why I'm doing that. She's a, a split image of another sister we really appreciate. What is your name again? Essie. 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 S-T. S-T. See, I, some syllables I can't hear. Sorry. Okay, good. Sorry. <laughs> okay, you got it now? Genuine Christian character. Notice, not just Christian. Genuine Christian. Very important. Maturity must be developing and coming forth. Okay, got it? Now, let's go for, this is uh, number five now, right? It's four, okay. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. And these are the ones that your ministers are going to like. <laughs> yes, they, by the way, they didn't tell me what to say. Oh, do. By the way, they didn't give me any information. They said just the big question in marriage. The big yes. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Somebody want to read it, please. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment was promised, and it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Okay, thank you, sister. What does God mean 
when he says that it will be well with you and that you may live long on the earth? I'm going to help you answer that question. It's a whole lot more than just getting old like some of us are. It's a whole lot more than that. What God is really saying that if you submit to your human authority, there'll be a blessing on your life that you will have godly influence like David to be used of God to bring the presence of the Lord for many, 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 many years. That's God's heart for you. That's God's call for you. Many years of bringing the presence of the Lord into difficult situations. And even with your music, perhaps, and that devils will be driven out and souls will be set free in Jesus Christ. Many, many, many years. That's God's heart. It's not just get old. God has a deeper purpose than that, to be used by him, to do our work for him. Many, many, many years. You don't want to miss this. Get under your... Do you get that? Do evangelism until you're 69 and beyond. That's what old I am, if you've been wondering. You figured that out. Do the work of, for God in saving souls and reaching and building the church of Jesus Christ. For many, you're young. You have all of your life ahead of you. I wish I'd sit where you're sitting and do, I could do it all over again. How I wish. I have wept often before the Lord. Why, Lord, did you allow me to waste so many years? These last years, uh, 30-some years, have been such a joy, such an excitement, so fulfilling, so adventurous. Why did I waste so many years? Why? I'm sorry I have to tell you that. And God comes sweetly and softly and says, son, it's all right. You can't go back and change that. But you can encourage youth wherever I send you not to make the same mistake. That's what I've been endeavoring by the grace of God to do. Get real, get right, get surrendered, and watch what God will do. And I believe most of you are. You've been hearing that so much. Watch what God will do. But don't forget to get under your human authority. The example of Isaac and Rebekah in Genesis 24, the longest chapter in Genesis. I'm not going to go there. Read it sometime in your quiet time. Digest it. Isaac wasn't even looking for a wife. It was his father that sent Eliezer, I think it was, back to the homeland to find a, a virtuous young lady to bring to back for Isaac. And we know that was Rebecca. Isaac was not in charge, in control. Is that love marriage or arranged marriage? Sounds pretty arranged, don't it? <laughs> not saying that's what you have to do. I said, we're going to look at the biblical record. <laughs> Get what we see in the scripture. Your elders are grinning. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> they all took a look. <laughs> yes. But here's another example. When David 
being under human authority. David had interest in Saul's, one of Saul's daughter. And Saul said, and we're not going to look at these scriptures necessarily, uh, but uh, Saul said, all right, he was a king. David was younger, much younger. And uh, Saul said, all right, you go get me a hundred skins and you can have my daughter. And uh, David really wanted to be King Saul's son-in-law. And King Saul hated David. So David, Saul said, a hundred Philistines, the enemy skins. But David, well, you know what David did? Yeah, you're right, uh, Shiloh. Thank you, sister. 200. Whoa. David went the second mile. 100. If I really want Saul's daughter, and he said, I want to make sure he went the second mile. Well, now you do the same in being under human authority. Your pastor, your father, uh, your elder, you go the second mile. That's how David did. Remove all questions of being under human authority. Consider that. 100 would have been good, but he wanted to be sure that Saul understood that he is under authority. You do the same. Remove all doubt and question when it comes to this thing of marriage. Yes. Now, this is number five. Thank you. Godly motivations. Motives and purpose of heart must be considered. Why marriage? Unmarried young men and women have a natural God-given desire to have a life companion. Something I personally believe God put there when he took out of Adam the rib. And I'm talking mostly to the young men now. All men, if you're honest... From that point forth, are searching, are thinking about finding their rib. <laughs> I've did that. Yeah, yeah, y'all look back at Naomi. <laughs> I just think queen is better than rib, don't you? <laughs> yes. Am I right, young men? You know, you're honest. You're thinking about it. Sure you are. <laughs> I'm not going to ask for a raise of hand because all the sisters are going to look over there. <laughs> so we won't do that. This is a right God put their desire, young men and women, in thinking of married and sisters. It's a right godly desire. It really is. And it's not my heart for a moment to stifle or hinder that desire. But rather, my desire is, as I have been doing, is give some godly direction to it. Some godly direction, doing it God's way. It's a right desire. It's an honorable desire. It's a holy desire. God put it there. And marriage was his idea. Belongs to him. So here's a diagram that has really helped pastors understand, especially under the human authority issue. So what do we have up here? Here we have a young man, 
And who's this up here? Who's that? I can't hear you. Oh, let's thank you. Sir. Who's that, guys? Hello? Who is it? It's your minister. It's your leadership team, your minister. Yeah, human authority. Here's what it looks like. We're going to go to Vince's book, Malachi. Well, here you have the heart. We have been talking a lot about a heart, and marriage is a heart issue. Yes, Malachi 4.6 says, And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with the curse. What I see here is that as a young man and as a young woman, your hearts need to be, your father needs to have your heart. Your heart needs to be turned to your father. Now, you may say your father has not turned his heart to you. I understand that. I understand that. This works both ways. You can take the lead, or but the scripture has the father taking the lead. My father had never turned his heart to me. But when I was 37 years old, the first thing I did is turn my heart to my father. I went to my father and I said, we called him, I called him Pop. Not a good name, but that's what I call him. Pop, I want to talk to you. I said, Pop, Dad, I was not a very good young man. You thought I was, but I wasn't. I rebelled against you. I did many things against your wishes. I know I did. I never told you. I said, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? I said, Dad, please accept me. I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. Please forgive me. And I threw my arms around my dad, and I hugged him for the first time since I had been a little boy. We both had tears in our eyes. I just hugged on, hang on to each other. I first turned my heart to my dad. If you, don't have, if you don't have your father's heart, I trust you do, but you may not. We just stayed in his other's arms for a good long while. Then dad said, son, you know what? I was not a very good dad either. I wasn't there for you. Please forgive me. I tell you, from that day forward, almost every, I don't know how many uh, maybe once a week, he'd come into the milking parlor where I was milking, uh, the cows in the farm. We were doing that at that time. And he'd come in, and we'd just talk. And we had a beautiful relationship later in his life. It's never too late for parents, fathers to turn their hearts to their youth or youth to turn their hearts to their father. And I wasn't the oldest, but Dad turned his heart to me. When he wanted counsel, what to do with the farm, he didn't go to my older brother. He came to me. Why? Because we had each other's hearts. It was a beautiful relationship. That's what I see. You need to have your heart turned towards your father. Yes, and that's exactly what Ephesians is talking about. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother. So what I see here is both the young lady and the young man have a best friend relationship with their father. Do you get it? Best friend relationship. 
That's the kind of relationship dad and I had late in life. Best friend. Somebody asked you who's your best friend? Sons? Papa. Papa. And if you don't have that, then you take the initiative. Turn your heart to your father. Sisters, same thing, your father. I would take my daughters on dates regularly. They loved when Papa would take them on a date. Have your hearts turned to your fathers. That's what the scripture says, amen? It's a hard issue, marriage. Yes, so, diagram number two. What we're talking about is two hearts coming together. Notice what's happening. The two hearts are coming together. They moved away. See the difference here? Now you come here. Yes, coming, two hearts coming together. Genesis 2.24, Matthew 19.5, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Brothers and sisters, I suggest to you this is a heart issue. Hearts coming together, more than flesh. The hearts. Father, the son's heart turning away from his father. Likewise, the sister. And turning their hearts towards each other in preparation for two to become one. Very important to understand this. So in the courtship dating period, which is what we're familiar with perhaps, here's what needs to happen. There needs to be a spiritual maturity. In that time, you will want to get to, I'm just assuming now, a boy and a girl, if all these things are in place, you have mama and pop, you have your father's blessing, you have your pastor's blessing, that blessing is all there to start a relationship and coming together, the full blessing is there. Father and your ministry. Is that okay? Brothers, is that okay? Back here. Okay. Now what you want to do is on that first date, you want to get into the word. You want to start connecting from the, with the, in the spirit. First Thessalonians. And this is exactly what I counseled my youth. They all followed it. As far as I know. They have come back since and uh, said, Dad, we did fail a little here. We did. Uh, but I still teach it that way. They, yes. Now, I'm not talking about immorality. I mean, my, I'll just be honest. My one son said after they were engaged, they did hold hands. They did hold hands. For the first time, not until after they were engaged. We'll get there. Okay, okay, so now 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. We have a lot of scriptures today. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What I want here, it's... Uh, be preserved blameless. It does not say body, soul, and spirit. Does it? I don't know if that's how, but I hear that often. Body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. 
We're made in three parts, body, soul, and spirit. God says differently. God says spirit, soul, and body. Am I right? The scripture says that is God's rank of importance of man. Spirit comes first. At this time in courtship, you want to get to know each other in Christ Jesus in the spirit. You spend time in the word of God. You share spiritual maturity where you're at in spirit things. And soul, the body, not at this time. The body waits. It's spirit soul and body you'd start sharing goals and visions work for the lord our own my one our one daughter our eldest daughter she never married she's not married she had a one of our pastors ministers sons dating and when they came to this place right here they started sharing goals and visions she had a heart to follow mama and papa in being missionaries for the Lord Jesus Christ. The man she was dating, he wanted to have a big farm. Cows, chickens, big farm. And they started sharing right here, goals and visions for the Lord. And uh, she, one day she said, Dad, I don't think so. I think we got to cut this relationship off. His visions are not my visions for the Lord. And she cut it off. She said, no, we're done. No more. And by the way, she is still single today. She's now 40, 45 years of age. And she's a social worker and helping with uh, New Horizons out in Colorado. She's pursuing her dreams and visions for the Lord. Guess what happened to that man? He married and he has his big farm. And he has his big business orchard and on and on I could go good man but visions and dreams for the Lord were very very different got my point and also personal convictions personal compatibility I don't know what that means what does that mean personal compatibility help me brothers what does that mean yeah go ahead help me I don't have much to say. Just do, does the Lord bear witness that we are for each other? Does the Lord bear witness? I think that would be the best way to say it. Is that okay? Yeah. In the spirit. See, we're in the spirit. We're talking on spiritual things. Does the Lord bear witness? Yes, this one is the one that he has chosen for me. Is that Okay. Hey, I, I, I invite you, if I step somewhere where I shouldn't, brothers, please. <laughs> okay. So what we have is these two, these two young people. Now watch this. And it's so they're, they're, you see what's happening? Those hearts are coming together. They're coming together in the spiritual realm, in the spirit, man, be part of man. Goals and visions, all that. So... But the Bible says that in Genesis 2.24 and Matthew 19.5, Jesus reiterated, two shall be, become one flesh and 
they become one heart in unity and togetherness. The same visions in serving the Lord and dreams. Watch the picture. Yeah, there they are. They come together in holy matrimony. God takes two and he makes one. And they leave and leave home and cleave. Let's just read uh, uh, which, whichever one. Uh, whichever one you get to first, either Genesis 2.24 or Matthew 19.5. Anybody, real quickly. For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Yes, they leave and they cleave. cleave. The two shall become one. Notice the home, and a new home is established. This is huge in India and in any Indian culture country. The new homes are not established. They go, the newly married couple goes home into their father's house. And maybe they, hopefully they have a separate bedroom. But that even isn't clear. How would you like that, young people? They don't, they don't leave and cleave. They stay at home. And that has really caused conflict. The new home, and I teach this. Lots of questions. Even the pastors, they struggle with. See, they're a whole lot much more, much more community-oriented, family-oriented. The family stays together. And the reason the family stays together is so that the younger children can take care of the older parents. There's no old people's homes in these countries. None. That's challenging. Not at your age, it's not. But they... The children take care of their parents. So, but the Bible teaches a new home is established. There's a leaving and a cleaving, and two shall become one. Yes, there it is. Now, what I wanted you to see there, let me do that again, is the hearts of the fathers to the children that was turned to the children, and the heart of the children turned to the father. Notice what happens. They turn away from their parents, and the two become one. Yes, that's what I wanted there. Parents' role changes now. They become counselors, but the two become one. Godly, now here's another point. Now, what point is this? Help me. Six. Is that right? Six? Yes. Godly jealousy for youth purity of heart especially in the courtship period there is a maturity of godly jealousy holy jealousy you might say for youthful purity of heart this one applies to the love marriage just like you're going to hear tonight on Joseph when Joseph was tempted in his purity he said, how can I do this great wickedness against my God? Joseph, when Potiphar's wife in Genesis 39, 7 through 12, tempted Joseph, Joseph fled out of the house. In fact, Genesis chapter 39 tells us that he would not even be with her. When she went in the house, he was out of there. And when she came out to where he was, he fled into the house. We'll look at that a little clearer tonight. 
Joseph, 1,785 years aforetime, approximately there, lived, fleshed out. Flee from youthful lusts. 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. In a courtship, dating relationship, there must be a holy jealousy over the heart of the young lady and the young man for youthful purity, keeping that heart pure, focusing on the spirit and the soul. The body? No, not at this time. Romans 3.14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh. Oh, I need to get this, this, this. I don't like that picture. There's some stuff up there I don't like. Let me get the excess on there. There we go. There we go. Sorry about that. Here we are. No provisions at all for fleshly lust in the courtship, dating relationship. This is where my youth or my dearly beloved youth from other countries say this is impossible. They say this is impossible. Spending time together as a young lady and a young man. But I say it is possible when you're sold out to Jesus Christ. Committed with a holy jealousy over your heart to spend time together, maybe with a chaperone, maybe not, I don't know. Your elders will decide that. And no provisions for anything fleshly. Nothing in the body. None of that. All fleshly lust. Immodesty that reveals shape and such forth. We don't have that problem. All fleshly touching, kissing, hand-holding, none of that. Hands off coming together is God's way. I'm going to show it to you from Scripture. If it's not hands off, there's no convenient stopping place. Amen, brothers? Elder brothers? No convenient stopping place. So... Be clothed with humility. Yes, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. No provisions for the flesh, even in the courtship relationship. I know I'm lifting up a high standard. I know that. I make no apologies for that. Following the Word of God. The Word of God. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. I'm just going to Zip through this, for they shall see God. Zach and Jana practiced this too. Yes, by the grace of God. And they come back and they say, thank you, Papa. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Papa. We're so glad you taught that. Yes, I'm just going to go through this. Pure in heart, singleness of heart towards God. Single-hearted affection towards the Lord Jesus Christ. We're back to Adam. Didn't even recognize that he need. He was... Totally all-sufficient in his God. Single-hearted affection. No hypocrisy, no guile, no hidden self-motives. I continue to bring honor and glory. God, no desire to fill the fleshly lust at this time. None of that. Yes, young men. Open, honest, transparent heart. Uncompromising desire. There's a big one. Uncompromising desire to please God. Pure in heart is far more than just an external purity of behavior. Notice 
Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart. Special favor with God is what that word blessed means. Special accepted favor with God to bring divine influence of his presence on others like David did. They shall see God. <clears throat> they shall see God. They shall see God presently like David did. Seeing God. Saul was set free, hallelujah, with the music. I hope you see God tomorrow when, you're, when you do evangelism. See God do something that you know is God. Go with your pure heart. Pure in heart, yes, far more than just external purity behavior. Pure in heart is an internal purity of soul. Set apart for God with a holy jealousy, even in courtship, to keep it pure. Okay? Oh, I'm sorry. You, maybe you weren't done. Okay. I, I'm sorry. Thank you for taking notes. I bless you in Jesus' name for that. This one's going to come up again tonight in media. So if you don't get it here, you'll get it tonight. Whew. Yeah, let's go. Okay? Good? Good. Godly jealousy for youthful heart purity. Emotional purity as well. Proverbs 4.23. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Love and affection are tender emotions of your heart. Keep your emotions in your heart. Love is an affection, and love is a tender emotion. So easily, it's so fragile. Don't flirt around with letting your heart go a little bit. Oh, you know, I like that guy, young ladies. I, I like that guy. Starting to let your heart go. Don't do that if you don't know if it's God's will through human authority. Same thing with you guys. Don't let your heart start going. I had a young man one time came to me serving as a missionary in Indonesia. He said, I need to talk to you about a young lady. I said, did you talk to your papa? Did you talk to your pastor? He said, I didn't. You're talking to the wrong person, wrong person, I said. You have no idea. He was American, she was Indonesian. I said, you have no idea if that is God's will for you, if that young lady is God's will for you. The reason you don't know is because you haven't talked to your papa. You haven't talked to your pastor. I said, here's what you need to do. You have already started to let your heart go a little bit. You need to go back up, back home. He was at home at the time, Morgantown, Pennsylvania. You need to go up on the mountain behind there. And I said, you need to put in, build an altar. You need to build an altar. And I said, you need to put every picture you have of her, all those little notes you've been passing. I said, you need to put them all in that, on that altar and sacrifice her completely because you don't know if it's God's will. Keep your heart and emotions pure. Don't let that heart start to go if you don't know if it's God's will. How will you know? 
Human authority. Human authority. Brothers and sisters, keep your heart emotionally pure until you know. It's both sides here. You got me? Are you with me? Emotional purity. But then, of course, there's also the physical purity, virginity. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 2. To avoid sexual sins, let every man have his own wife. Physical purity. And Proverbs chapter 6, verse 27 through 29. Can a man touch a woman that is not his wife and not get burned? Young men, I want a volunteer to read that, please. I want a man to read that. Yes, uh, Kent, right? Proverbs 6, 27, 28, and 29. Stand and read it. Listen carefully, young men. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. Thank you, brother. Very simple. Can a man touch a woman that is not his wife? Young men, you know what I'm talking about. You will get burnt. Physical purity. Both. And of course, 20, Genesis 26, verse 28, we have Isaac and Rebecca. Well, the young people love when I teach this one. I have to show them what, because they don't have no idea what sport. Why don't somebody read that? Genesis 26, verse 8. I have to get somebody up to illustrate it. They have sporting. They don't know what that is. You know what it is. This is where Isaac had told Abimelech that Rebekah was his sister. So Abimelech one day is looking out through a window Who's going to read it? That's how, okay, over here. Yeah, right here. Genesis 26, verse 8. It came to pass when he had been there a long time, but Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out at a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. And what did Abimelech say? If you ever let it go, I'll tell you what Abimelech said. Abimelech looked out through the window, and there was Isaac and Rebekah, and they were sporting. You know what they were doing. And Abimelech took one look and said, Ah, Isaac lied to me. That is reserved for a wife. Got it? It's reserved for marriage. Even ungodly Abimelech knew it. That was his wife. It was not his sister. Major point. These things are all reserved for marriage. Not in the courtship period. Yes, activities are reserved for marriage and only marriage. Yes, there's Isaac and Abimelech. Okay, we better move on, don't we? <laughs> there are two perfect marriages in Scripture according to God's will. Two of them in all the Scriptures. Adam and Eve, we know that's a perfect marriage. And I suggest to you, Isaac and Rebekah is also a perfect marriage. Genesis 24, 6, 7. But here's my point. In both marriages, the man of the woman were emotionally and physically pure. Am I right? 
You may say, well, Adam didn't have any chance. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Adam didn't have any opportunity. doesn't matter. It's a creation principle related to marriage. Purity emotionally and physically. Here, get this. In both marriage, the man and woman were emotionally and physically pure. Fifty-five times in the scriptures, brothers and sisters, virginity, the term virginity, or virgins is qualified by God as a godly character and virtue. Virginity is of great price. Young men and young ladies, virginity is of great price before God. Keep yourself pure. Thank you for the marriage altar. Redeeming the time. Here we go. Ephesians 5. Five minutes. This is perfect. Ephesians 5. <laughs> five minutes. 16 and 17. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Redeeming the time in the waiting period. Brothers and sisters, you know what I just did? Dearly beloved youth. And you are beloved youth. Every major point I gave from the Word of God speaks of waiting for Christian virtue and character to develop. Everyone, married to Christ before marriage. Number two, cheerfully under, submit, under or submit it to all human authority. Father, parents, your elders. Three, godly motives and purposes of heart must be considered. Number four, godly jealousy for purity of heart, emotional and physically. Okay, for those the four main points, who's keeping, those the four main points? I think so. I might have had five, you might have five. Okay, you look quickly. Now yeah, that's okay. You went the second mile. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> yes. Redeeming the time while you youth wait. What shall youth do while they wait on the Lord? What God has for them in marriage. Treasure that time, mature and grow up in Christ Jesus. Yes, sister. That one? Okay. Sure. Sorry about that. I'll get a drink a while. I'm about done. Almost done. It'll be perfect. Pete, how many minutes do I have yet? Three or two or three? Okay, I'm about done. You got it, sister? Thank you. Okay. Redeeming the time while the youth wait. What shall they do while they wait? Treasure that time. Redeem that time. Make the most value of that time. You're in that time right now, most all of you. I don't know what the average age is in here, but uh, I think you're in that time. Am I right? Here's what you do. For the Lord. 
Deepen your relationship with the Word of God. I want to echo that. I heard it from Vince. I think I heard it from uh, just about every one of your elders. I want to say it too. Get deep into the Word of God. Memorize. Read. Read your Bibles every day. Read through your Bibles, but don't only just read it. Stop and meditate on it. Get a nugget every day to, that you can go with as you go with the Lord and walk in the Spirit. Read through your Bibles. How can you, a quick and easy Bible reading plan? I do this wherever I go. Three chapters in the Old Testament. Do it systematically. And one chapter in the New. Every day, 365 days in a year. You will have your Bible read through if you start on January 1 by about the middle of December. Do you get that? I'm sure you're doing that already. But also take times of Bible study. Take solitude time with you and your Bible and get alone with the Lord. All these things I encourage. Deepen your relationship with the Word of God in Jesus Christ. Let me say this, young people. God always makes much of any man or woman who will make much of this book. I want you to write that down. You make much of God's Word, and God will make much of you. He'll use you like David and Joseph. Guaranteed. And add to that, if you submit your hum human authority, you'll live long on this earth and be, have divine influence, God's influence for many years, if God so will. All right, learn to break your own selfish will and serve others in surrender. That's what meekness is. Great ability and strength. Surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Number four, develop and get involved in ministry to the spiritual and physical needs of those around you. Again, I want to bless you in going and evangelizing tomorrow. But let this not be just one time. Get involved in weekly. I, when my youth terminated from Grenada, when we were there as missionaries and they went home, I said, get involved in a youth ministry of outreach, children's ministry, something in serving others. This will grow you up quickly, mature you more quickly. You do all of these, you will mature quicker, faster in Jesus Christ. As, now, this is for the elders, not, not, the, not, not your, in, in these other places, in these other countries. I put this in here. As fathers and pastors, teach your youth to not waste their time in sports, computer, and smartphones games, defiling their pure hearts with all kinds of worldly nonsenses and corruptions. That's what too many young people are doing. But I think better things of you. All right. And we could look at some Bible examples of redeeming the time, but I'm quitting. Thank you for your attention. Father, I thank you for these dear youth. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is clear on your way of two youthful hearts coming together as one in holy matrimony on the marriage altar for your honor and for your glory. It's so clear, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that each one of these dear youth, as they mature, 
Lord, you protect them, you keep them. You have good things for them. I don't know if you have marriage, but Lord, you know, and we commit them to you for care and keeping for the marriage altar, if you so will. And even through the courtship, help yourself to them for your honor and for your glory all the way through so that they can have a godly home for your honor and for your glory and raise a godly family to continue the faith of the fathers before us in this generation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.